the 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you. As in the second segment, we're going to be taking a look at these games for today in the American League Division Series. And we're just going to be taking a look at the four series that are going to be set for this round of the playoffs in general with our good buddy Jeff Parles. He does a great job with Book at HQ, the Parlay cast. He has been doing absolutely terrific work there, and it is always great to get him on the podcast. So we're going to have that preview in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to be giving you guys a signed total on every game on the MLB betting board for Monday and a little something like call touch them all. It sounds a little bit better than what it is because it's only two games, but they're going to be two very exciting games. Obviously, the ALDS gets started today. Tomorrow we're going to have the NLDS, so we're going to have four games starting on Tuesday, so that'll be a lot of fun. And what is always a lot of fun is being able to give you guys what you want on this podcast. If there is a question that you'd like answered, fire that into my Twitter timeline, at JRSCORD1. As per usual, the letter ZM to Mimi does not matter, so do not send them that way. I did not get in any today, though I do know that I did get a couple more hedging questions in. I did address that on the podcast yesterday, so if you take a look at whatever platform you're looking at, at your podcast you just go back to yesterday's episode went through in depth there so you've got your answer there I've got you guys covered and as per usual it is always great that we have good support on this podcast and my bookie is looking to make your October as profitable as possible and to do so they're offering you a deposit match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000 dollar for dollar you deposit $1,000 they're going to match at $1,000 rollover does apply but all you need to do to get your first deposit it doubled. Put in the promo code Greg. That is my name, G R E G, with my bookie. They've got so many different offerings. Obviously, the side of total, like I give you on this podcast, they do a great job of posting up player props, especially when it comes to the MLB postseason. Obviously, they do a great job with those player props. When it comes to football, we've got a full NFL slate that's going to be hopefully coming our way. Whether or not we get an extra bye week with some of these scheduling snafus with the Tennessee Titans, that's anyone's guess, but we certainly do have a whole bunch of football back in our lives. We've got the NBA Finals going on starting November 25th. You guys know me. I love my college basketball. That is going to be starting up, so they give you a whole bunch of different options to be able to make yourself a whole bunch of money, and they also offer you parlays, which that's not necessarily my forte. It's something I stay away from along with futures, but they give you just the wide gamut of a little bit of everything, which I tried to do on this podcast. We didn't have any games, obviously, on Sunday, so I'm not going to be labor and just give you guys a whole bunch of ramble, so we're just going to take our break right now. Coming up next, we're going to give you guys a nice preview of the series when it comes to the divisional round of the MLB postseason with our good buddy Jeff Parles of Bucket HQ. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by our next guest as he does absolutely terrific work with Book at HQ. He hosts the show slash podcast, The Parlay Cast, as it is our good buddy Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter 
And his name, Jeff Parles, he always does absolutely terrific work. He's a man that is well-versed in a little bit of everything. And Jeff, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Greg. I will say, Greg, I always love your intros, and I'm very happy that you have never called me the Mike McCarthy of the business. I'm very happy you've never done that. Uh, trust me, being a Green Bay Packers <laughs> fan, I would not want to give that distinction to anyone because it doesn't mean anything good. But hopefully some of these MLB series are going to be a little bit better. Hopefully we don't have the Mike McCarthy of managing going on with these eight teams. And it's all going to be getting started today with the Rays and the Yankees and the A's versus the Astros taking part in the ALDS. And if I'm looking at one series, I think is going to be a little bit lopsided. I really do think that it's going to be A's versus Astros. The A's were able to do a very good job against the Astros all year long. Now, obviously, this is going to be a neutral field game. This is actually going to be taking place in Dodger Stadium. But I take a look at this pitching matchup with Chris Bassett going for the Oakland A's and Lance McCullers going for the Astros. I do think that you're going to get a solid effort out of McCullers, but Bassett, under the radar, has been, in my opinion, one of, if not the most dominant pitcher over the last five starts because in his last five starts, he has given up two runs, won six plus innings in every one of them. For McCullers, he's shown some flashes of greatness, and then he winds up giving up like nine runs in an inning against the Arizona the Diamondbacks as well, so you don't know what you're going to get there. I just take a look at it in general. What are we going to get on the Houston Astros bats as well is also a big question. You know, Greg, I'll say this. First off, let me preface everything I say is it's a good thing that we have nothing to do with either of the central divisions the rest of the way. I thought the NL Central was bad the whole year, and the reason they got four was because they were all mediocre, and it made sense that they were all around 500. The AL Central, I was high on Cleveland because of their pitching. Their pitching failed them, obviously, in that two-game series sweep at the hands of the Yankees. The White Sox, well, I'll get to them in a second to talk about the A's and the Twins, I actually, before the playoffs, Greg, I thought the Twins were getting out of the AL. I really did. And they go out in two games. Total disaster for Minnesota. And the Astros took full advantage of that. And the Astros did t- took full advantage of the Twins in a way that they're not going to be able to in any of these playoff series because there's no days off. And you're not going to get a rain out in Los Angeles at all in this series either, obviously, because the weather's perfect out there in October, even though it's been a little bit hotter than usual out in California. But Greg, the Astros advanced because their starting pitchers carried the load in, especially, I mean, game one it was two starting pitchers and Ramber was unbelievable out of the pen in that game and saved their bacon in game one. Game two, again, they used their starters again out of the pen a little bit. And the thing with that, Greg, is you can't do that in this series against the A's. You can't do that when you're going to need five starters potentially or a starter going on three days rest in game five. So I'm with you. I don't think it's lopsided. I don't think it's lopsided because the Astros, we have seen again, we know the history. We know that there's no trash cans. It's actually pretty ironic that the series is at Dodger Stadium because as you and I both know, that's where their world championship came at the expense of the Dodgers. And you Darvish is not pitching in this game either, thankfully for the A's. But look, this has been a wackadoo year for a lot of reasons. And in baseball, it's been a wackadoo year anyway with the 60-game schedule. But you saw three very talented teams that have smaller payrolls win their divisions. So it would not shock me one bit to see an Oakland-Tampa ALCS. I like the A's in four in this series, Greg. Been on the road a bunch this weekend, so I didn't look at the series prices uh, before I hopped on with you. I know Oakland's a slighter favorite than I would have expected, but I like the A's. And if you can get an exact result of A's and four, I think I'd grab that. 
Yeah, I do think that this is the one series I see perhaps being very short out there in the American League. Now, with the Oakland A's, if I do have one fear with this team, as we do have Jeff Barles joining me on the podcast, it is the fact that, let's face it, this is not a team that is necessarily going to hit for high average. I mean, Tommy LaSalle is really the only consistent guy that's hitting above a two fifty for this team. You had Matt Olson at below the Mendoza line, but he was able to give the team a bunch of home runs. And that's this Oakland A's team in general. They do a good job of just being able to make the most out of their hits. I believe when it comes to runs generated per hit, they were in the top five in the big league. So that is going to be interesting in a team that they generate a lot of runs when it comes to their hits as well. That would be the New York Yankees against the Tampa Bay Rays. I feel like this is a battle of two opposites. You're going to have Blake Sell going for the Tampa Bay Rays in game one, Garrett Cole going for the New York Yankees in that game as well. And as I'm seeing it right now, Rays are between a plus 130 and plus 135 underdog, but I really think that this is a good opportunity for the Rays. We know that Garrett Cole has just had his soul owned by the Tampa Bay Rays in three starts this year. 0-1 record, right around a 5 ERA, gave up five home runs in those three starts. G-Man Choi, for some reason, he couldn't hit off of anyone else this year other than Garrett Cole. And for Blake Snell, he's been up and down in his career against the Yankees. But when you take a look at the Rays, second best bullpen ERA out there in the American League. And though the Yankees have the big names, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman and company, they weren't necessarily terrific out of the pen. And I think that Blake Snell is going to be able to give this team five plus and get the Rays a victory. So, Greg, Tampa owned the Yankees this year. They were eight and two, eight two yeah. Game. Yeah, they really owned them. Just listening to a bunch of New York radio before the playoffs, the seed that a lot of the radio hosts thought that the Yankees would be in trouble with was the five seed with a first-round matchup with Cleveland. Now we saw them take advantage of the Indians having a bad pitching outing for Bieber, his only bad outing of the entire shortened season, and then they obviously destroyed Brad Hand's soul in the ninth inning of Game 2 in that series. But look, Tampa's a bad matchup for the Yankees. Their approach at the plate has given Garrett Cole problems in the multiple starts this year. Obviously, Cole is phenomenal against the Indians, a lighter-hitting offense than Tampa. Tampa does not get the credit for how good that offense truly is, Greg. I don't want to call them an elite offense, but they're good. In all honesty, Greg, I don't understand why the Yankees are favored here. I really don't. And I know they have the advantage in Game 1 with Cole, but in the series, I think Tampa should be favored. I really do. I know the Yankees are a very slight favorite, but I like Tampa. I think the Rays are taking care of business in the series. I will take a shot on Snell uh, later today. I do like that. That ballpark also, that's a big ballpark they're playing in in San Diego. That is advantage Tampa. And we know the Yankees have struggled away from Yankee Stadium this year, even though they won those two games in Cleveland. I'm on the Rays tonight. I'm on the Rays for the series. And I think getting Tampa and Oakland, the battle of the small market payrolls in the ALCS. And when you take a look at that first game as well, I, just to clean that up, between the A's and the Astros, we're right now seeing the Oakland A's as right around a minus 140 favorite. So very similar lines in both of these, and I am in total agreement. And then when I take a look at the total in the Yankees versus Rays, I'm taking a look at it. It began at 7.5. Right now you're seeing a heavily juiced 7 on the board to the over. And I still think that this is a very good spot for the under, just because when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, in seven out of the ten games that they played against the New York Yankees so far this year, they held them to three runs or fewer. This is going to be played out there in Petco Park, which it's not as pitcher-friendly as it used to be, as the ballpark has been redesigned a little bit, but still very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And I just take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and all that they're able to throw at teams. I think that this is going to be a good spot for the under. Yeah, also too, great, And this goes for both games. Too. These are pitchers' ballparks that, that we've known 
historically speaking. We know if Dodger Stadium has been a pitcher's ballpark uh, forever since that's now the second oldest stadium in the National League. Only Wrigley is older. And Petco, even though they keep moving the fences in every few years, that's still a pitcher's ballpark by trade. So especially that seven and a half low total there, Greg. I like that Rays-Yankee game under. I like the A's game under as well, too. I'm in on that. Completely agree with you, as we do have Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. And then when you take a look at the National League side of things, I think the biggest question when it comes to any of the four teams in the National League side of the playoff picture is, what are we going to be able to get out of the starting rotation of the San Diego Padres? They were able to survive in advance in that series against the St. Louis Cardinals, thanks to a big eruption late in that second game against the Cardinals with all those home runs from Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers. Now it becomes a question of, are they going to have Denelson Labette and Mike Clevenger in the fold? If you have both of these guys and they're firing on all cylinders, I give San Diego a shot against the Dodgers. If they don't have either of these guys, it is certainly going to be an uphill battle because Zach Davies has been solid, but we saw him have his struggles against the St. Louis Cardinals. We saw them in Game 3 have to go with a bullpen game of which Adrian Motahone wound up throwing the most pitches of anyone that wound up seeing action in that game. And Chris Paddock. I believe led the National League when it came to home runs allowed for the entire season. So I think that the key for this series in general, as we don't know who's even going to be starting for the Padres in Game 1 at this point, is just the health of these two starters. Johnny Holstaff got it done on Game 3, Greg. Johnny Holstaff was fabulous in Game 3. Here's what I'll tell you. I'm not expecting to see Clevenger because that injury seems a little more severe. If Lament is unable to pitch once in this series, as much as it pains me to say it because I'm holding that 40 to 1 ticket on San Diego to win it all, it would take a lot for the Padres to win this series against the Dodgers. And also, too, Greg, I know this will sound a little bit bizarre in both of these teams. Obviously, this series is at Arlington at the new ballpark of the Rangers. The site of the infamous uh, uh, unwritten rule breaking by Fernando Tatis that caused a complete eruption from Chris Woodward. The only time that the Rangers even made a peep this year and then also led to Slam Diego existing. What goes around comes around for the Texas Rangers that week. But look, it's just going to be tough for them to win this series if Lamette is not able to pitch. The Dodgers are so good, Greg. This finally feels like it's their year. And naturally, of course, Kershaw had his best postseason performance ever. And no one even realized it happened on that night because a very important national event happened right as that was finishing up late Thursday into Friday. But I would love to say, go ahead, take a flyer on San Diego, but I can't do it yet until I see Lamette at least on that roster. If he is not on the NLDS roster, I just can't advise taking a shot on San Diego as much as I would love to see them win this. I am in total agreement with you. There's no way that you can take and look at the Padres for the series for sure. If you don't have Lamette and Clevenger, game one is going to be fascinating. As I'm seeing it right now, they're plus 140 underdogs. We don't know their starter, but Walker Beeler is going to be going for the Dodgers. Probably will be taking a look at the Dodgers either way, but certainly want to see a little bit more information there as we do have Jeff Parles of Book at HQ joining me on the podcast. And just to your point, there was one person that was aware of the Clayton Kershaw performance. That'd be me because they did it against the Milwaukee Brewers and the Brewers. Just their sad and pathetic offense all year long was put out of its misery. So wasn't necessarily sad about that, but we're very happy about the Miami Marlins and the great story that they've been. Now they have a to be determined starter against Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves. You got to think that it's either going to be Sixo Sanchez or it's going to be Sandy Alcantara in this start. I would think that Sixo Sanchez would probably be going on a little bit of short rest. So I'd be surprised if it's not Sandy Alcantara going in game one of this. 
But when you take a look at this Marlins versus Atlanta Braves series for the season, lots of high-scoring games. Memorably, the Atlanta Braves put up a 29 spot against the Miami Marlins earlier in the year, but the Marlins still took two of three in that series. Somehow, some way, the Marlins have just found these guys that have been just solid players on their previous teams, like out of the bullpen, Brad Boxberger, Yimi Garcia, Richard Blyer in the lineup, Matt Joyce, Jesus Aguiar, and they've all come together, and they've been able to make this postseason run. Not sure how you view this series, but I do think that you're going to have a chance for some overs, especially if you're seeing totals of 7.5 just with the way that these two teams have played. And I do think that the Marlins have a chance to be able to make it interesting if they're able to break serve against one of either Max Fried or Ian Anderson, because after that, while you've got a terrific Braves bullpen, you don't have a lot of starting pitching. Greg, I love the Marlins in this series. And another sentence, if you told me I was saying nine months ago, <laughs> just slapped me silly at that point. But look, you know what the one thing that we kind of did, that I, I'm going to really actually, hindsight 2020, of course, but I'm a little aggravated myself that when it was announced there was going to be a season and there was 200 to one and 250 to one and 300 to one to win the national league on the Marlins out there. I don't know why I just didn't like say, you know what? I'll just put a 10th of a unit on it. Even if I just have a five spot in my wallet, just put a five spot on it, whatever. It's five bucks, it's 10 bucks, whatever. It's a McDonald's meal in the <laughs> end. If it loses, who cares? Whatever. You keep the calories off that way without eating that meal. But one thing I will tell you, Greg, and they were making this point on the ESPN radio broadcast. You've had Kevin Brown, the broadcaster, on your podcast before, I'm pretty sure, Greg. I have not, um, but so, I am actually working on it, by the way. He is a tremendous guy. Yeah, he does the Orioles now as well. It was on ESPN radio broadcast. I forget who was doing the game with. Uh, I was Bowden. It was Jim Bowden. And they were making the point of basically the Marlins went out this offseason and just got professional hitters. They got Dickerson. You mentioned Aguilar, who, look, Aguilar had a lot of flaws in Milwaukee, but you know what? The man can hit. We've known that. That man has power. And they have a whole bunch of good hitters on that team. No one spectacular. Just a lot of solid guys who know are capable of either hitting home runs or putting the ball in play like Miguel Rojas does on seemingly every occasion. Mm-hmm. Brian Anderson's been a really nice find for them over the last two years. With Sanchez there, for a while now, and Alcantara, I like his stuff as well. This is a live team in this series. Now, I don't think they can beat either San Diego or the Dodgers in a long series. I don't like them in that type of scenario. But for a five-game series where you mentioned the Braves starting pitching, past Freed, I know Anderson's been a nice story, but past Freed is completely unreliable. And the fact that the Reds did not score a run in that two-game series was mind-boggling to me. I know they had to face Freak in Game 1 and Anderson in Game 2, but still, you got to score a run in that series. Come on, guys. But I like Miami. I think that they have enough pitching. And like I said, they have professional hitters on that team. And I think they have enough to win this series. The only thing that concerns me is Freddie Freeman very well could be the MVP of the NL this year. And he obviously had that big hit in Game 1 to finally win that marathon game. If they contain Freddie, they will win this series. Give me the Marlins at that plus price, and give me the Marlins in game one at the plus price whenever it comes out as well. And if you're looking at the price on the Marlins right now at Caesars, plus 250 for the series. Game one, I'm seeing at bet online as high as a plus 185. Obviously, very limited books have this up just because of the to-be-determined nature of the Miami Marlins starter, but I'm right there with you. I do think that there is tremendous value. And something else that there's always tremendous value in, 
listening to you, Jeff, because you do an absolutely <laughs> terrific job with the Parlay Cast on Book It HQ. I know that the app is coming out in about four weeks, and you guys are doing a great job with all that. So let the good people at home know where they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're all working on in general, my friend. Yeah, so I, get me at Jeff Parles. Get Book It at Book It Sports, the Book It Sports app, at Book It HQ on the tweets. Launch days 11-1, man. It's a Sunday, so you get your NFL Sunday action right away. It will be post-World Series, though, which is a little bit of a shame. But you know what? Trent and company up there in Reno doing the smart, proven, patient move. Get everything right so it's ready to go on November 1st. I know we'll talk again before the app launches so I can give you more as we go along. I'm going to have a beta test in my hand later this week, and I'm really excited to see what Trent has been telling me. It's Trent Adia, of course, CEO and creator of Book It Sports. We're really excited. We're really excited to get it rolling. And the Parlay cast this week, because I'm continuing a drive from halfway across the country back home to New Jersey <laughs> yet again. A different story for a different day, folks. The Parlay cast this week will be Tuesday and Thursday. Normally, it is Monday and Thursday at my Twitter account, at Jeff Barles. Myself and Sean Cavanaugh. Have a good time. Absolutely. You guys do an absolutely terrific job, and it is always great to be able to get Jeff on the podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, we have two games in the American League Divisional Series that is going to be taking place on Monday. So I'm going to give you a sign tour on both of them and something I like to call Touch Them All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to our good buddy Jeff Parles of Book at HQ for joining me in the last segment to look at all these postseason series. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on both games on the MLB betting board for today. And a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board. Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. As per usual, I give you guys a normal disclaimer that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSCord1. We're at the stage in the game unless if we see something like we saw with the World Series game in which Max Scherzer was supposed to start and then was scratched pretty much at the last minute that we probably aren't going to get a lot of changes, but if there are any changes, they will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSCord1. And as per usual, we're going in Las Vegas rotation order. This begins with 901-902 on the betting board. We've got the New York Yankees playing against the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't say hitting the road anymore because these are now all neutral site games and this one is going to be played out there at Petco Park as it is going to be Blake Snell going for the Rays. Meanwhile, Gary Cole is on the bump for the Yankees. If you're looking at the Yankees, going to be laying anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150. Meanwhile, your plus price here with a hot shell Rays anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135 total on this game has fallen from the opener of 7.5 down to 7 with the 7. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. I was talking about with Jeff. I certainly do like the under in this spot. Now with Gary He's got an ERA just below five and three starts against the Tampa Bay Rays so far this year. I mentioned the fact that G-Man Choi has been able to do a great job against him, but let's face it, G-Man Choi has been a little bit banged up. He really hasn't been in the lineup too much, so that's a little bit of an advantage. And for Garrett Cole, I just feel like he got a little bit unlucky towards the beginning of the year. There was a point in which over 30% of the hits that he was giving up, and I believe that this was actually the set that he had going into his last start in early September against the
against the Rays, in which 30% of the hits that he'd given up, more around 32 actually, had been for home runs. He wound up giving up 17 walks and 14 home runs over the course of 73 innings, and he's really coming in firing on all cylinders. He has given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, going approximately seven innings in every one of them. He has given up two, three, five, and six hits in those starts, at least seven punch-outs in every one of them. He looks like the man that wound up garnering that big contract. Meanwhile, Blake Sell, 2018 Cy Young Award winner, has been pretty masterful for the Rays recently himself. He has given up a combined four runs in his last four starts. Not quite the length that Mr. Cole has went, but he's went north of five innings in each out of his last four starts. He's been doing a great job of getting punch-outs as well. 18 strikeouts in his last two starts. Walks can be a little bit of an issue. He's given up at least two of them in four out of his last five starts, but he's backed up by a Rays bullpen that is second in the American League when it comes to ERA. Guys like Peter Fairbanks, Oliver, Drake, Aaron Slager, the list goes on and on. They have all been absolutely terrific for this team. And when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, no doubt this is a team that they don't necessarily have a whole bunch of power. You expected just a lot more out of Austin Meadows. He wound up coming down with COVID, and he just was never really able to get online. You take a look at Hunter Renfro. This is a guy that wound up hitting below a 200 for the season, but you've been able to get something out of Joey Wendell. He's been able to give this team for the season right around a 285 average. Brandon Lau has been able to give this team 14 home runs. Manuel Margot, certainly not a power hitter, but he does a good job of getting on base. He and Willie Adamas hitting between a 259 and a 269 for the season. Now, the catcher spot with Mike Perez and Mike Zanino certainly has been a little bit of a cold spot, but this is just a team that they seem to have functional power. They do a good job of being able to draw their walks, and for the New York Yankees, this is a team that was actually league average when it comes to the bullpen. Now part of that is due to the fact that you wound up having Roldis Chapman out at the beginning of the year due to COVID and then you had Zach Britton wind up having an injury towards the middle of the year as well but these guys with those big names along with someone like an Adam Adovino they haven't necessarily been terrific. You're going to probably need to, at some point, rely upon Jonathan Loizaga in the series. That's not necessarily what you want. Now with the New York Yankees, you've got a tremendous lineup, but one that was held to three runs or fewer in seven out of ten games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Now we do know about the injuries. You had John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge out for quite a bit, but even those two guys, I mean, they haven't done a lot ever since coming back due to injury. With John Carlos Stanton, he looked solid in that series against Cleveland. Aaron Judge wound up having a nice home run, but in those two games, he Added a buck 11. He had just one hit. Obviously, it was a big hit, but it still seems like he's not necessarily himself. Now, Luke Voigt, I don't know about you, but he was feeling 22. That's the amount of home runs that he wound up hitting during the regular season. Gio Urshela was absolutely magnificent in that series against Cleveland. I felt like he was a very underrated loss when it came to the Yankees with all the injuries that they were dealing with. Glaber Torres, along with Brett Gardner, seemed to have gotten online as well, but I think that the Rays are going to be able to shut them down if Blake Snell winds up getting hit around a little bit. The bullpen is going to be on call because we know that Mr. Cash is very good at being able to maneuver that, and I think that that's going to be a big advantage for the Rays, and this is just a team that they've had the Yankees, Aaron Garakul's number. I think that it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but I think that one deep fly might be the difference. So we're going to be taking this little under, and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Tampa Bay Rays, and 903-904 is the other game on the betting board. You've got the Oakland A's playing against the Houston Astros that is going to be out there in Los Angeles, Dodgers Stadium, as it is Chris Bassett having his hook, line, and sinker for the A's. Meanwhile, Lance McCullough Jr. is going to be going for the Houston Astros. If you're looking at the Astros, you're getting a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 125 and seeing as high as plus 132. Meanwhile, with the A's, seeing as low as minus 135, as high as minus 145, I mentioned it with Jeff Parles. I mean, Chris Bassett has given up two runs in his last five starts. It's really going under the radar what he's been able to do this season. He wound up giving up a little bit of hard contact during the 2019 campaign. Sometimes got a little bit loose with the walks, but in 11 regular season starts, along with one postseason start, a 
He combined 70 innings, giving up 18 walks and just 6 home runs in that time span. He has been absolutely terrific. Now, I will say, he's probably been a little bit lucky as in this stretch in which he's given up 2 runs over the course of 5 starts, he has given up 6 plus hits in 3 of those starts, 5 plus hits in all but 1 of them, so he's certainly done a good job of being able to maneuver his way out of it, but only 6 walks in that time span as well. So he's not putting guys on base cheaply. We know this with the Oakland A's. you got so many guys that are able to come out of the bullpen. Liam Hendricks was throwing 100 miles an hour in that Game 3 win against the Chicago White Sox after having thrown 49 pitches a day before. You've got guys like Yasmero Petit, Joaquin Soria, very good veterans for this team. Now with the Oakland A's, I mentioned it with Jeff as well. The batting average is an issue for this team. You take a look at the regular season. Tommy LaSalle wound up coming over during the trade deadline. He was able to be solid for this team. He hit for the year right around a 275. And you've been able to get a little bit of something out of guys like Tony Kemp and Mark Hanna. Both of these guys hit in the neighborhood of about a 246. But then you take a look at the rest of the lineup. Guys like Ramon Laureano, the entire catcher spot, headlined by Sean Murphy, Chad Pinder, Stephen Piscotti. List goes on and on of guys are hitting a 235 or lower. Matt Olson, only hitting a buck 95. Now, a 310 on base, and he was able to give this team 14 home runs and 42 RBI, but that certainly is an issue with Lance McCullers. A little bit of a hit or miss guy. I mentioned with Jeff the fact that he wound up having that just terrible, no good inning in which he gave up like eight or nine runs against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but you take a look at what he's done recently. Zero earned runs in his last three starts. Now, he gave up four unearned runs to the Seattle Mariners. He just had a complete lack of support in that start, but he's gotten seven plus punch outs in each out of his last four starts at which he recorded an inning. In that time span, he wound up having one start in which he did not record an out against the Angels. In every one of his other starts, he gave up one earned run or fewer. This is truly a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation, but I do think that he's going to be able to be solid. Now, my concern with the Houston Astros is the fact that Andre Scrub, who was a very good bullpen piece for this team, he's someone that he issues a whole bunch of blocks. You're no longer going to be able to rely upon Frambar Valdez out of the bullpen. Guys like Brooks Raylan Company are solid for this team, but it is a little bit questionable as to what you're going to be able to get out of someone like an Enoli, Paredes, and company. So I do have my question marks there. And obviously, the batting for this team during the regular season, it just wasn't there. I mean, your main concept for this team was Michael Brantley, who wound up hitting a 300. Kyle Tucker, very solid as well. 268 batting average. He's always been touted as a up-and-comer. Nine home runs, 42 RBI. He was able to do a good job for the team. And George Springer, he came on towards the end of the year with 14 home runs, batted right around at 265, but you just expected more than five home runs from Carlos Correa during the regular season. The home run that he had against the Minnesota Twins was big, but then you got Josh Reddick hitting about a 245. Yoli Gurriel hit a 232, and Jose Altuve at 219. He seemed to have suffered more than anyone else on the team. Martin Maldonado did a good job of being able to get on base, but his batting average wasn't necessarily there. I just take a look at this Houston Astros team. They're outgunned when it comes to the bullpen. They just have been scuffling when it comes to the bats. Not having Justin Verlander, you can tell, really took a toll on this team in general. And I think that the Oakland A's should be able to get the job done behind what I think is one of the most underrated pitchers right now in baseball, and Chris Bassett. So I'm going to be taking this total under, and I'm going to be riding with the Oakland A's in this spot. And now we're things up for the baseball betting podcast on this Monday. A big thanks to Jeff Barles of Book at HQ for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, along with any other providers that I wound up leaving out. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, fire that into my Twitter timeline at Jaren41. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.